0: A lot of people ask about draft strategy. Should you go into a fantasy football draft with a draft strategy locked and loaded, locked in place? No. The answer is always a no, 100% of the time, because flow of draft, who's taking who, um, you know what's going on with, with the way people are building their teams, all of that can factor into your decision-making, and if they're there goes a run of running backs, let's say, in the first round, and then you're right at the end of that first round, let's say, and you're at like a bookend pick there at 12, or, you know, you have the 12 and 13 pick, then you might see that a wide receiver just went right before you, and you're about to go on a boat, a boatload of wide receiver uh, selections based on the guys you draft with, You you know the trends, you know what's going on historically with your league mates and all that. And you sense it this is going to be a wide receiver run that is going to have one or two running backs in the next 12 picks. and you can sense that a lot of the time, especially if you have that bookend pick. So let's say at 13 and four, or 12 and 13, you take yourself a Mike Thomas and Odell Beckham Jr with your back to back bookend picks because you know you're at the front end of that wide receiver run that you didn't anticipate, that you may not have thought eh, it could happen, it may not. You, If you were locked and loaded at the running back position, taking a running back just to take a running back because you wanted to take the next best running back, that's a ridiculous approach because then you miss out on the fact that you're going to get Odell Beckham Jr. and, let's say, Mike Thomas with your back-to-back picks and watch the entire league do exactly what I just described about picking the player just to pick the player. Because everyone's like, well, I've got to get a receiver now. And they pick a receiver. And then you watch maybe one or two running backs go and Dalvin Cook's sitting there for you or something. Uh, I'm not saying Dalvin Cook's going to fall all the way to, so let's say you have a snake draft. He's not going to fall all the way to the, the end of the third round. But my point being, uh, if you could trade up even into the top of the third and grab a Dalvin Cook. Or just let a Freeman and and Derrick Henry fall to you. Uh, Devonta Freeman and Derrick Henry have a late third, early fourth round ADP. So those two running backs would fit perfect into this idea of of taking the best player available and going with the flow and and adapting. So you will have running backs like that available if you do anticipate that wide receiver run. Um, Just one example of why you don't go into a draft with a set strategy uh, another reason is you're, you you need to take the best player available approach, I think, anytime you're in a draft. And if you're taking a, a strategy in and implementing that strategy no matter what, you're unable to draft the best player available because you're drafting off of a tier sheet. I am not saying tiers are bad. Tiers definitely help organize your mind and keep you on track when you're like, okay, I need a running back. Here's my top five running backs. I didn't get a guy there. I got to get you know a running back in my next uh, uh, tier, at least one of them. I get the organizational reasons behind having tiers. I like tiers. There's nothing wrong with tiers. But I think it's ridiculous to take a running back in a tier, even if he's not like your favorite running back in that tier, you have him up there because, I don't know, he belongs in that tier. I mean, you can't tell me... You like every single player in your tier. So don't find yourself in a position where you're drafting a player you don't like because he's the last player in that tier. Take the best player available. If you have a hole at your wide receiver two, so be it. If you have a hole and some work ahead of you, a long road ahead of you to get your running back two situation organized, so be it. That's challenging. That's fun. You need to take a hold of that situation and say, hey, I'm going to have a good time and have a lot of fun. Get back to the basics of having fun in fantasy football and and looking at it as a challenge. Let me build this team in a fun way where I have my favorite players. I'm drafting the best player available every single time I'm on the clock. You can't go wrong with that approach. And if you work really hard at free agency and trading and doing all the things right as a owner, you'll find a way to fill those holes in that may have been created by going best player available. Because in the end, if you walk out of your draft unhappy with your team, yeah, it's balanced. You don't have any major holes because you followed the tiers and the the boring strategy ranking you know, and ways of drafting that so many people shove down your throat in the fantasy industry. You you know, pick a running back, then draft a wide receiver. In the second round, that's the strategy to win. That's not fun to me. I'd rather lose playing the way that I like to play. Drafting the best player available than drafting players because they fit the mold for this. And I don't even like the player. That's one of the most boring approaches I've ever heard in my life. And you'll never see me draft a player I don't like. Uh, I've done it before when I was learning and, and crafting my skill uh, especially before I got into the industry over 15 years ago. I mean, everybody learns and develops their game as terms of a fantasy football owner. I'm not saying I haven't made mistakes or drafted players I don't like in the past, but today, the drafter that I am now, the guy that's giving you this advice and trying to help shape your thinking so that you are crafting and honing in on skills that will dominate year in and year out, this is the this is this guy right here in front of you does not draft based on tiers, does not draft based on bye weeks. Are you kidding me? I could give two craps if I have two players with the same bye. The only thing I'm ever really even remotely concerned with when it comes to bye weeks because I only hold one defense and one kicker, so don't have to worry about byes there. I oftentimes only have one tight end. But with my backup quarterback, I have I take bye week into consideration. But let me remind you that it doesn't always influence my decision. I still may take two quarterbacks with the same bye, try and find a third one for that week where they both share that bye. I could give two craps about a bye. I just don't care. I am not going to change my team and draft players that I like less because of a freaking bye week. Are you kidding me? I love this argument when people talk about bye weeks, like they're important. Lose one week. Have everybody in a bye in one week. I don't care. I'll lose that week. I'll even try so hard and look at it as a challenge to win that week. And you oftentimes do win that week in those situations when every man's down. But I certainly do not give two craps about a bye week when I'm drafting my players. Uh, And I, I encourage you all to ignore that line of thinking when you're drafting your team in 2019. Don't take strategies and, and lock them into place and walk into your draft. Don't focus on bye weeks. Focus on all the things that help dominate. Drafting the players you know are going to do well. Drafting the players you're going to have fun watching. Having fun is the most important thing about fantasy football. And I get I, I get real, like depressed hearing stories of people how nerve wracking it all gets to them and they want to quit because they're not having fun anymore and can you believe I lost that week by 0.5 I want to quit you know I get with my Ask Smitty feature where you can ask me questions at sleeperu.com a great feature I might remind you uh, and it's in the subscription fee for the site $29 for the whole year at sleeperu.com it includes that one-on-one advice where you can email me back and forth all year long, but some people using that feature will email me on a weekly basis, if not, you know, sometimes two or three times a week, and it sounds like they're having the worst time they could possibly have playing fantasy football, the worst time, and they absolutely hate it, they can't stand that the game's close, they can't stand that they're down by five, I love being down five points going into the the Monday night game. You have to get back to that if you're straying away from it because it's fun. I lost – I had, I was winning my bracket in the, the NCAA tournament, um, and I admit that part, it, for a moment there, I was getting pretty frustrated and I didn't like the fact that Auburn was going to lose because I had Auburn going to the final game. And if they did, they didn't have to win at all. They just had to go to the final game. I would have won my uh, bracket where it has uh, – a. a Insane amount of points for lower-seeded teams that make it further. So it was one of those like big upside brackets. And man, it was frustrating, I admit, when they lost. And it it came down to the referees not calling that double dribble. And I admit, I kind of let myself fall victim to this in terms of the NCAA bracket. And then I reminded myself, I had so much fun letting it come down to the wire. And I couldn't change it. You have to understand that. You can't change it. The outcome. The outcome is the outcome. So are you going to let it bother you or are you going to say to yourself, man, I almost got that, and let it motivate you and, and have it help you, drive you to craft your skill and win the next time. And so with fantasy football, I mean, I'll admit I kind of almost fell victim to that because it had to do with the referees not calling the double dribble, but I couldn't change it, and I was letting it bother me for a little while. But with fantasy football, I've learned to craft that and scale all that, that anger back and the, the anxiety and all that, you have to learn to do that. And it took me a while, I won't lie, so I'm not saying it's you know super easy or that I don't see why people get to that place, but you have to learn to say, hey, I love the fact that I'm walking out of my draft with my running back two very cloudy, but guess what, man, that's going to be the most fun to build that running back two up, to, to land those sleepers. I drafted all those redraft rookies because, let's say, it's a redraft league. And I'm loaded with the Jalen Samuels, the Cream Hunts, and a bunch of rookies. And everyone's making fun of my number two running back spot because I don't have a real clear starter at this point. I want to make this the funnest part about my season is to just land that Philip Lindsay of this year or the Tariq Cohen, or make that awesome trade because you have wide receiver depth and a QB like Mahomes last year. If you drafted A-Rod and you put Mahomes on your benches, your QB two. now you have this trade bait that's through the roof. Land your sleepers and then have trade bait. That should be the most fun part about your entire season is building up in those ways. Have fun. Get back to it. Get on the sleeperu.com forums. Be a part of the positive community that we have because we're not a negative place on our forum. I hate places where you ask a question and you get ripped on for it. That's not what we do at sleeperu.com on the forum. So join the community. Get involved. I urge you to get the sleeperu.com membership because it's going to help you dominate your leagues, give you all the bold predictions, the, the things I'm known for landing, calling the bold calls. You know, Arian Foster from years back. Fourth round, fifth round pick, called him a top five running back of the future. Got ripped apart by the industry that put me on the map in 2005. Alvin Kamara, two years ago, last year, Patrick Mahomes was number my number one written prediction, written way before he was even anointed the starter. Uh, toward the tail end of that last season, he I, I refreshed the bull predictions board, put it up early, and he was the number one guy coming out of that season. And then he was anointed, being the starter in Kansas City, and no one saw that coming to the degree that it that that it developed, and he turned into the best fantasy QB in the game. Nobody saw it to that degree. Even my prediction didn't say, "Hey, he's going to score fifty plus touchdowns," but I said he would be a top five QB of the future. And it was bold. It was crazy. My James Conner number two bold prediction was bold and crazy. Written before anybody thought Le'Veon Bell would even consider holding out. James Conner was number two out of all predictions on, on com. Number two. And I said he'd be a league winner with, if paired with Jalen Samuels. Go check out the bold predictions now. See what predictions are there for 2019 because they feel awesome. They feel like they're going to land. I love the bold predictions that are up on the board right now at sleeper you.com get on over there the fantasy football show you can find it on instagram at the fantasy football show you can find it on youtube at youtube.com slash the fantasy football show you can of course go to the fantasyfootballshow.com and get any of those links if you you didn't uh, write those down or you want to just have to find out all different ways you can watch and listen to the show. And then of course here on Anchor and on Spotify and iTunes and every other major podcast source you can find the Fantasy Football Show podcast. Get some, get ready. 2019 is here. We're year-round.